Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin. I'll be your host. I hope you're doing well. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode, well, it's a stormer. It's, uh, it's DJ Chris Hawkins of Six Music. It was uh, lovely to catch up with Chris. I've not seen him for a, a long time. I'm sure uh, we explain it all at the beginning, um, how long it's been and such. Um, Chris is obviously down for the Six Music Festival. Um, that would have happened by the time this episode comes out. Um, before we get on with the episode, I just want to say thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Uh, thanks to Chris for his time. And thanks ever so much to you lot for having a listen. Um, if you do enjoy this, um, please have a look in the back catalogue because there's a bundle of episodes in there with uh, loads of musicians, bands, DJs, producers. So go and have a little look over there and see if there's anything that tickles your fancy. Um, and if you really like this, then I also have a Patreon page where I put a standalone episode up each week over there. So you can go and subscribe over there, which helps support this podcast. Uh, I would love that if you can do that. Um, but yeah. I'll tell you what, let's get back to the job at hand. Please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beaten Track Podcast with the wonderful Chris Hawkins. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out. 
because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, we're recording. It's a. It's been a sunny day in in East London, um, and it's got sunnier. The ray of sunshine that is Chris Hawkins has just walked in and sat down in front of me. How you doing? Just uh, noting that down for a future show. <laughs> I'm good, thanks to you. How are you? I'm good, mate. So we've we've already had a bit of a catch up because we've not seen each other since uh, House of Lords. It would have been. Yeah. You invited me to the House of Lords, yeah. which is quite... It was House of Lords, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Commons. Commons, yeah. Was it Commons? Was it the Lords? I don't... I'm not sure. It was very, very kind of... I had to go for like airport security just to get in there. I remember yeah. thinking that was... Not everyone has to do that, but if you are from Essex, that's, right. that's okay. the process. Does that explain the, the cavity <laughs> search as well? <laughs> well... Yeah, and it was it was a meeting of, of people that have worked in in uh, the mu- the music and, and mainly the, the nightclub industry, wasn't it? If I remember rightly, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was quite an experience. That yeah, and a band played, didn't they? No, not that I can recall. Uh, you know what? This is going to sound ridiculous, but I've just remembered that was another time. I was there. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was another occasion. No, you're right. It was uh, yeah. It was t- to talk about yeah. Uh, the licensing change, I think, in in, in in London. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and before that, you'd come and DJ'd for uh, Matt and I at the Queen of Hoxton. Yeah, yeah. I remember that night. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was like one of it was when I lived in London. Yeah, I lived in Islington and and used to knock about around Upper Street, Essex Road in Islington, and then into Hoxton and Shoreditch and and that venue god it's it's still the same i take it it's years since i've been yeah yeah it's uh, it's exactly the same yeah i loved it there it was a real focal point you know it was where you'd meet and and where you'd end up staying yeah and it, i remember that night not because of me there must have been someone good on after cuz it was absolutely <laughs> rammed absolutely I rammed i there for you mate <laughs> <laughs> um and obviously, since then, uh, I say it's been a fair few years, but um, your voice is generally uh, never too far away. Um, as I drive to the station in the morning to come up to here, uh, you are generally always playing good records and having a chat on six music. Ooh, generally, <laughs> <laughs> right? All right, that's how it's going to be. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, that's the the day job. Uh, Early morning day yep. job, uh, five till seven thirty every weekday morning on Six Music. It's like my dream job. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And and the idea is always to play the best music. Well, <laughs> you've sent your songs over. Genuinely, they're pretty all right. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we should just leave it here. 
Yeah, okay. But they're great songs, mate. I think the point is that there's, there are reasons behind the choices if they're not always obvious answers. Yeah. No one's ever given me a list of records that are cool because no one was cool when they were kids. Doesn't happen. I agree. You know, I think that you go through a time in your life where you would answer questions like this in a very di- different, dishonest yeah. way. Yeah. But the older you get, the more you're like, look, this is the reality. Episode three, when Russell Lissack from Block Party told me the first record he bought was Stiltskin, I just thought, cool, the bar's been set. No one could be more uncool than Russell here. Um, track one, Chris, the song with the greatest ever intro. Look, before actually going with my choice, right. can we go through some also-rans? Honourable mentions, yeah. yeah. Is okay. that right? Because this, this question for a radio DJ is kind of... It's, it's a big world because, of course... We are all familiar with yeah. the intros to songs, the, sure. ha- how they start yeah. uh, and how they end. So uh, as, as well as choosing here from my own personal collection, if you like, it's about songs that I'm used to playing on the radio, the ones that have sure. that wow factor when yeah. they start. So I'm going to run through a, a bunch of them, OK? Brilliant. And I'll start with an obvious one, which mm-hmm. I bet has been, been chosen before. Uh, Temptations, Papa Was a Rolling Stone. Never, but great shout. Yeah, you, can you hear the beginning of that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that bass line. Mm. Same for Ball of Confusion as mm-hmm. well. You know, the Temptations, yeah. you know, l- making amazing music. Yeah. So the Temptations weren't nearly my choice. And then I thought about Seven Nation Army. Mm-hmm. That dramatic start, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's decent. You play that in an indie club and that, that goes off. that get you out of trouble. <laughs> and another one, Prefab Sprout, Cars and Girls. Oh, what a wonderful record. Yeah, I know. Th- those... Ba, ba, Perfect. Ba, da, 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 da. Lovely. The ba, Never bars. thought of that. Uh, yeah, it's just got that feel-good factor, hasn't it? You know what I mean? What a band. And uh, just makes you feel good. Yep. Joyous music. Paddy McAloon, genius. What? Do you... Have you do yes. you know anything about what he's doing? So I uh, spoke to him middle of last year. Really? Yeah, where he he just put out a, a new album and uh, he doesn't perform anymore. Yeah. He, by his own admission, is a little frail, but still an amazing storyteller. Yeah. You know, the story of how the band got going, their time on the road and always generally going back to, to live in the, the northeast. Yeah. Uh, and a super lovely, kind man. Kind oh. of guy you'd want to be your granddad. Very jealous. You know what I mean? And what about this one? A bit less obvious. Simple Minds. Promised you a miracle. Do you know why? No, tell me why. Because as intros go, I always think that song starts like it's halfway through. How does it start? But da 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 promised you a miracle. Did it kick straight in with that vocal? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, don't you forget about me. He's quite an iconic starter, isn't it? Yeah, in the same vein, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. 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 And then another one? Yeah, f- rattle them <laughs> off. Dandy Warhol's Bohemian Like You. Not very cool as mm-hmm. a choice, but such a distinctive intro, and, and hence it got used on that ad that, yeah. that rinsed it completely. But yeah, it couldn't move for that record when it came out. got that, you know, as a, a, a radio DJ goes, uh, it's got like a, a double intro. It's got yeah. that c- kind of 
a buzzing start and then it, yeah. and then it kicks in. So as a radio DJ, do you like things like that? Because <laughs> can you fit in a little bit of chat before the, uh, <laughs> well, the drums kick in? You know what? It's like a, a constant bone of contention. Do you or don't you talk over the, the intro? But generally you do because for time, I, I would say, that would be my argument. Yeah. It, it's kind of nice yeah. as a, a sensation, you know, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to hit it just right and, yeah. and get to the vocal. But often... You are using that those extra few seconds, that yeah. intro to, to to get away what you need to say in order to play more music. Of course, yeah. So that's the irony when people complain about you talking over it is yeah. because you want to play more. Yeah, absolutely. And Bowie Heroes, mm. it's just just bang. He's yeah, Bowie. Bang. Yeah, perfect. And and two more before my choice, and and it's because they're songs of two halves. Mm-hmm. Ian Jury, Sweet Jean Vincent. Talk about Ian Jury as much as you want, mate. You know what? Yeah, it, it, it kind of from your manner. He is from my manner. Uh, got Baxter's uh, recorded, and that comes out in a few weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's got stories. He's got some great stories. So the reason for that one, yeah, you, can you hear it? The way it's sort of all, it's sort of beautiful and, yeah. and dreamy. And then, <clears throat> yep. and then it goes. And the same for the Pogues and Fiesta. Oh, you know the smooth sax at the start of that, and you're lulled into this complete false sense of security. Then the party starts, and then the pipe poppers <laughs> go off, and the fireworks go off. Yeah, yeah. What have you actually gone for? <laughs> it's cashmere Led Zeppelin. Big no, I was expecting a bit more from. from I'm, that. I'm personally, I'm not a um, big Led Zeppelin fan. Do you need to be to to? Appreciate this intro. I'd say, no, no, not at all, not at all. This is a monster tune. Yeah, um, it's one of the all-time monster tunes. Yeah, Led Zeppelin, that one band that all of my mates that love good guitar music go to me. What do you mean you don't like Led Zeppelin? And <laughs> I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I know. I've, I've. Uh, there are others, uh, you know, that I have yeah. friends that I know that are just. So they say I don't really get Led Zeppelin. Well, I'm not sure yeah. what, what there is you need to get. Yeah. But but they don't necessarily like Led Zeppelin. Like, are you a big fan? Actively. Yeah, I think they're probably. Well, are they the the greatest rock and roll band of all time? So far. I don't know. They're up there, aren't they? They're up there with the Stones and the Who, surely. Yeah. 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 And the intro, you know, to to Kashmir, it's da da da, da 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 da. There's a, it's a yeah. massive statement of intent, is what it, I would call it. Completely, so it's a big call of arms. That yeah. And uh, who was it? Puff Daddy used it. Yeah, yeah. For, was it for the? It was for a film. Godzilla. Yes. Yeah, uh, and I think Dave Grohl played on that as well, on that Puff Daddy. Come with, come with me. Was it called? So I'll fly with me Possibly. or something like that. Yeah, I, I well, it, so it was redone as opposed to sample for that, was it then? If Dave no, Grohl played on it, it's really weird because um, I spoke to the guy that uh, it was put together by. Oh my god, I, I interviewed David Arnold. Oh yeah, and he was saying how that was put together, and he produced that, uh, and. Jimmy Page did play on that. Okay. On, on the the, uh, the version of it. On the remake. Yeah, and I hope I'm getting this right. It was a long time ago, um, but yeah. And then he was telling, he was talking about uh, how there was lots of things that Puff Daddy was was 
was doing to ensure that he got as much coverage and money out of that as possible. He sounds like he was quite a shrewd what, character. Make, making changes that yeah. were enough of a change. Exactly that. Uh, David Arnold, you know, I'd love to spend time in his company. Yeah. Uh, was I, he super nice? Yeah, he was He was really interesting, yeah. Um, I've, I've worked on a little podcast I've not put out yet with... with um, the, the, he, was, he was a musician, he's a comedian now, uh, called Josh Weller. Um, and we've, we've got this podcast that we're working on um, where uh, it's, it's called Scarp Breaker, where we talk to people that have been in the industry and what it was like in the 80s to what, 90s to what it is now. Mm. And so we sat and spoke to David Arnold and, and uh, that was quite interesting. Yeah, uh, he's, yeah uh, he's, he's made some amazing music. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he was an interesting dude, really interesting dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can you remember... Can you, can you remember the first time you heard Kashmir? Good question. I'm just going to be honest and say, no, I don't remember the first yeah. time I heard it. Yeah. No. But it would have been as a a late teen, probably. Yeah. I, I, it would be my guess. Okay. All right, well, let's, let's get into uh, chatting about these formative years. So for track two, uh, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Yeah, with what I just said in mind. I didn't grow up in a, a music household. Okay. Not in any way, shape or form. There was never music on at home? Very rarely. The radio was on. Yeah. Brothers and sisters? Younger sisters. Right. So it, was, it was me that really first got into music in the house. So they were robbing your records. <laughs> they were forced to dance at Chrissy's Disco in my mum and dad's garage. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> the old school in the village where, where we grew up for... Uh, closed down right and they sold off all the old desks and then the chairs and and i bought with my pocket money one of the old desks the old flip top yeah desks and i got a, a piece of square chipboard nailed it to the front of the desk painted it blue and got you know car registration stickers you used to yep. make your own registration plates back in the day and i got those letters sprayed them silver and on the front then of this desk it said chris's disco yeah. And I had my double cassette deck and my mum's my old record player. So I was able to switch between the record player and cassette. Yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> and then on either side of the desk for the flashing lights, I got a torch on either side and I put crepe paper over the, the, the end. And uh, <laughs> when the music was playing, I used to stand behind the desk switching the torches on and off. Do you know what? Like that's amazing. <laughs> it's. I don't know if it was something that I really wanted to say out loud, but, but yeah, that's. That was. Kind Does of, a photo exist of Chris's disco? Oh, there, there is a photo somewhere of my uh, one of from taken from my side from behind the decks. Yeah. <laughs> of my sisters, one just sat there like on one of the old school chairs yeah. that came with the desk, and the other one looking terrified as I sort of probably forced her to dance. Yeah. To something terrible. So, the the point is, uh, the 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 radio. Yes, the radio was on at home, and I do remember listening to. In fact, it was Ian Jury. I remember my dad had on a on those old cart machines that used to have in cars. Yeah. So in his yellow Ford Capri, I remember he had a. a that's cart a cool dad. <laughs> With the black top. Yeah. Mate, that's a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had an Ian Jury. Cart. I don't know if it was like a, a single or album, mm. but I just I can picture myself in that car. I remember 
hearing him play often hit me with your rhythm stick. Yeah. So that's probably my very earliest memory of music with my parents' family as a, as a kid. Where was that? Where was home? So in Shropshire. Okay. A tiny village. There were, I think, probably 30, 40 houses in the whole village. And then Any other discos? <laughs> if there was, there was nothing like Chris's disco. <laughs> and then, actually, there was a youth club, so there, there was a, a kind of a... Uh, there was a record player there. There, yeah. were, there, there weren't enough kids to, to have a, an actual disco, yeah. but there, there was a record player. Um, but but there were no records really because yeah. it was. I don't know why, but in the village, there were, it just wasn't a thing. Okay. So, I I remember g- going and and out and and trying to search out music for myself, and and then I remember the first CD player in the house. I remember my dad and, and an uncle coming in with this. Uh, it was like, you know, it was like a big cabinet. Mm. And, and it was the first time I had a CD. It was a Rick Astley album. Right. I think it was Hold Me, Hold Me In Your Arms. Okay. was the first CD that I ever played on our own CD player. Yeah. And, and then that's when I started getting into buying music for myself. Yeah. That's quite early, isn't it, for CDs? Like, yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, I think thinking back, yeah. Kylie as well. There was yeah. a Kylie album out around the same time, so they were the first two CDs. And then my auntie, because it had a turntable on the top. This you can picture what I mean. A stack know, the, system. Yeah, well, it, yeah, but even it was a sort of predated stack systems in a way, because it was like an all-in-one. It was the it was like a prize from Bullseye. Yeah, you know. And my auntie had a bunch <laughs> of records, and she gave me three carrier bags. Full of full of forty fives, and asked me to put them onto cassettes. So now I'd got this cabinet thing at home. Yeah, I was able to record from the uh, from the, the turntable onto the cassette. Deck. Yeah. So I put all of her vinyl onto cassette, and that was a real. That was a. It took a long time, and I remember there was no way of, uh, on this particular unit anyway of of copying one tape to another. So. When I'd done them for her, she said, oh, can you do me uh, another copy for, for someone else? So I had to do it all again. So I ploughed through all of this, mainly 60s and 70s vinyl. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And I, you know what? I remember now to this day thinking that surely in exchange for doing these cassettes for her, I guess mixtapes, mm-hmm. kind of, that she would uh, she'd then say, you can have, you can have the rec- I've, records I've got no use for them. Yeah. She never did. Took them back. Selfish. Yeah. <laughs> so is your track one of those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can smell. Vinyl has a smell, doesn't it, particularly. This this was all quite musty because it hadn't been played in yeah. a long time. She hadn't got a way of playing it herself, hence why she wanted all of it copying onto cassette. And uh, and the one that really stands out still now in my mind is, is Let It Be, The Beatles. Why, why is that? because it's a masterpiece I, I guess yeah and and just as there always has been a lot of the the vinyl although it, it was perhaps lauded at the time a lot of it was quite trashy mm-hmm. I guess you know a lot of trashy 60s groups mm-hmm. you know that, that came and went yeah uh, just pop songs of the day completely whereas that it, it just had something about it you know I can picture myself Putting the, you know, cliche though it sounds, I can picture myself putting the arm uh, on, onto the to the record, and I can I can picture it going round, and uh, 
the crackle uh, on the start of, of this particular copy, and it just just something else just it, the, the, it was the lyrics obviously you know that really resonated and, and just felt like wow um, that wow that emotion was what well I think that's a good question it's a great question because you, you know I think up until that point I'd, I'd really only I got music as for the music rather than the lyrics I don't know if that's normal or which way round you know whether whether you're a, a music person or a or a lyrics person, yeah, or or if you have to be one or the other, yeah. But certainly up until that point, it was all about the tune, yeah. And then that's when that that the the, the words meant something, yeah. Okay. Track three. The song that reminds you of your time at school. Yeah, I had a pretty miserable time at school. Was that? I, I, so it was a, a boarding school okay. in the middle of nowhere. Right. It was what you'd imagine from films a, a boarding school in the countryside to be like. A very beautiful, big building in big grounds. It was a good school. It did well. But I, I'm going to say it was more me than the school because I don't think it's fair to blame the school. Mm -hmm. And the school, by the way, is not only good now, it's exceptional. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an amazing school now. But it, it wasn't for me. It, I, I don't know, maybe it was coming from a little village in the middle of nowhere. You know, I can't stress highly enough how, how small the village is where, where I'm from. And there weren't even enough boys for a five-a-side team. Right. My sister had to go in goal. She didn't have to go in goal. She yeah. did. She, well, except we made her. Yeah. Um, when we played football after after primary school each evening. Your poor sister. <laughs> Four boys booting balls out and then back to yours for Chrissy's and, disco. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's amazing. She's a, she's a very successful, well-balanced woman now, somehow. But uh, the, it, I, maybe it was being sort of in suddenly in an uh, in, environment with, with kids, because it was a boarding school, the kids were from all over, and I, I hadn't met people from yeah. other towns you know never mind different counties so it was being submerged in that i think also being a day boy in a in a boys boarding school makes you a bit of an alien anyway what does that mean? you go home yeah yeah right. so bus in and bus out uh, every day uh, whereas the majority of the school were were boarders yeah so they all had their own cliques going on yeah and there was a lot of bullying you know i mean you know i a lot of bullying and, I, you know, it's undeniable. And you'd be on the wrong end of that. Yeah, I can remember at break time once. I can remember there was a, there was a s snooker table. And I can remember there was like a sofa next to the, the, the snooker table. And I can remember one of the older... I call him a kid. I guess he was. But he always felt like this... He felt like a man, you yeah, know, yeah. and uh, I remember, I don't know what I'd done, I was probably being cheeky, but, you know, he was like a couple of years older than me, you know, is that okay? Yeah. I would have thought it's, it's school. Um, and I remember having to use a cushion off the sofa to protect myself and an, another kid from him throwing snooker balls at us, and I mean proper throwing them. Mm. And there was another kid who used to, get it all the time and I remember him 
this is bloody horrible to think about this now. But this kid was, I remember, on more than one occasion, he was hung up by the back of his trousers on a coat peg. And they put what, what we used to call crow bangers, one in each pocket of his jacket. So they were what you'd use in, in fields to, to scare away crows. They're yeah. like fireworks, you know, that you light them and they, they explode back. And so he'd be put on this peg and he, and he was light enough to stay there without his trousers ripping. And there'd be a crow banger in either pocket. They'd light them, run out, and, and he'd be there in floods of tears. And how, you know, he would go home like battered and uh, in torn clothes on a regular basis. So, you know, that's partly why I didn't like school very much. Yeah. Because that, I think, you know, whether I was on the receiving end of it or witnessing it, I, I think it, it really affected, it was distracting, you know? As, it's fucking disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. It, and disturbing. And I wish nothing but ill of those people that were responsible for yeah. it. Yeah. And I feel for the kids that got it worse than me. Yeah. Because th there's no doubt that that can only have affected them in a negative way through later 100%, 100%. life. 100%. You know? right. Let's hope that they use that as driving. If they're, yeah, they're, I, that's, they're... I often hope that. And you know what? I've avoided ever looking up the particular kids that I'm referring yeah. to because I sort of don't want to know I, I, yeah. I just hope like you say that they've gone on to, to stick two fingers up yeah. with those kids and, and, and gone on to be really happy and successful yeah. do you know what I was, I was threatened whenever I played up as a kid I was threatened with boarding school yeah. and it petrified me yeah. I, I, I don't know what I perceived it to be mm. and from what you've just explained I had every reason to be to be scared of it. You know what, I, I could keep going, but yeah. you know, th there's two examples for you yeah. there, and I think that's probably enough. I think you get, get the message. But amidst all of that, I wasn't particularly um, academic. Yeah. But uh, I What did you want to be? I wanted to be an actor. I just like to get into drama. and there, At school? Yeah. And there was an English teacher who, who, and I think this is often the case, who went the extra mile uh, for, for the class and... and I think for me personally, really um, supported me. And, and equally, um, a, what, what we called a spoken English teacher. So this was uh, extra classes after school, that, uh, like an after school club, where you do um, speaking and debate competitions. And so often at weekends, um, that's what I go and do. So while the cool kids were, were playing football and rugby, I was going off doing speaking stuff. And that would be anything from like I say, it would be anything from debate to poetry reading, even Bible reading out loud, being judged for yeah. that. But I was quite—I was guess I was quite good at it, and used to get the certificates and, and the little trophies. And in fact, at the end of school, I actually got a scholarship from an organisation called the English Speaking Union, who paid for me to go to school in the states for a year. So I guess what came out of school was that amazing opportunity. And, and some acting along the way too, uh, and the productions that we did were, were, were good. They were of a high standard. I, I was McMurphy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in a school wow. production. Quite an odd choice of, of production. Yeah, just a bit. For kids, but yeah, with the full American accent, albeit with um, train trap braces on the teeth at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, 
the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. I'm curious as to the fact that, you know, there was, you know, you, you was, you know, a victim of some bullying and you saw bullying and, and that's obviously would have a, massive effect on your your day-to-day schooling and you're also and you're also standing up and reading um in front of people was you confident was you a show-off no no definitely not did you like attention i enjoyed being the main part in school plays and i enjoyed that that's that spoken English, so yeah. whatever it, whatever that entailed. But the rest of the time, I'd just be one of the crowd. You know, yeah. I wouldn't be one of the prominent members of any kind of gang. I wasn't in the, I wasn't one of the cool kids. Yeah. I was absolutely not. You know, I was one of the, the geeky kids. Yeah. yeah, they're always the ones that go on to do interesting things, mate. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true of of our little circle. Mm. Yeah, but it it, it was hard. You know, because you, of course you you don't want to be the one of the geeky kids, do you? Sure. You you want to be the one that yeah. the girls fall for. Cool. And in fact, uh, there were girls in the sixth form, only twenty or something, in the school. So you go through all of those miserable years, and there you you're kind of felt like a reward at the end. Of, <laughs> at the you end get of to talk to girls. Misery, and then, <laughs> and then in that summer between the fifth and lower six, I had those train track braces on. <laughs> Mom, <laughs> all my life waiting for this. <laughs> and it was actually in that summer, despite the braces, that I started going to young farmers' dances. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've DJed one of those. <laughs> did it turn into a massive fight? I did not know what to expect. No. I went with uh, James Buckley uh, to DJ it. Yeah. Uh, at the time, the in-betweeners was this huge show and we thought it was going to be this... We didn't know what a farmer's disco-type thing was. It was fucking insane. Yeah. Like... Yeah. I mean, it was a... They were definitely a... a very unique crowd <laughs> and I've never experienced in all my years of DJing and clubbing anything like that night. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. I, th- I guess you were expecting everyone to come, you know, in their straight off the farm gear. I don't know. I also <laughs> expected everybody, like any of the other club nights we done, to go. It's Jay from In Between Us. Didn't give a shit. Oh, uh, there's a lot of that. You know, I'm from Shropshire. You know, <laughs> you do not give people credit. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, there was no need. They could have saved themselves a fortune. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> Didn't give a shit. <laughs> I know that well. But they were good fun nights, and it, it, that gave me, I think, probably a bit of confidence that you know that there was fun to be had outside of school, and, and yeah. that the school friends that I had, I was doing that with with the kids that I'd grown up with in the village, and and uh, of whom some were my cousins. You know. So, it was kind of safe territory and good times. And, and actually it was then going back into 
into the sixth form that finally my song choice in answer to your oh, original okay. question comes. And it's... Do you want it? Yeah, of course. So the song that most reminds me of my school days is Insanity by Oceanic. What a great record. You know that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you yeah, want me asking how old you are, Chris? Yeah, 40-something. Right. Like, yeah, in a bit. We must be of a, a roughly similar age. Similar vintage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I loved that song then. Right. And actually, um, one of the kids um, that I went to school with, his dad owns Iceland, you know, the supermarket. Right. And, uh, and he and this other guy at the school, who I think was linked in some way, the other kid um, was maybe his dad worked for very, in a very senior position at Iceland, had, had some cash, and put on this party come ball. So it was a black tie do, and they booked Oceanic for a PA. But, and the story goes, and, and I, I was there on the night just because, oh my God, this song. It was, it yeah. was such a big song yeah. at the time, if you remember. Not cool, yeah. but it was a great pop song. Yeah, it was a great, great pop dance, song. dance tune. Yeah. And uh, we all got to this ball having, you know, had our volume, body weight in, uh, in Snakebite and Black and uh, all waiting for Oceanic. Yeah. And some, um, some other kid who didn't like the idea of everyone having fun, some other kid from the school called the police and said there was a bomb in the building, the place was evacuated, Oceanic never got to play and we all had to go home. Fuck's sake. Yeah, funny, funny time at school. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that went on. Why would you do that? Yeah, I know. I know. God. Yeah, it was kind of, that was the world. Yeah. The, 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 that, and that's kind of why I didn't really enjoy school very much. Some people really are shit, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. But did you have a good circle of mates? Wow, what a question. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Do you still stay in touch with anyone from school? No, no, no one. I think probably for obvious reasons. Yeah. Having explained what I have. Uh, I, I, when I, when I finished school, I, so I went off to America. And in fact, I'm in touch with more kids that I went to school with in America, in Boston, than, than I am from, from here. Mm. I've got to stress that that school is excellent. <laughs> it's not hard to find where it is and yeah. what it's called. I do happen to know that it that it is, and there were were exceptions. Sure. But, um, the school in America was just mind-blowingly great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, in fact, I loved it so much that I did a degree in American studies and went to Nottingham Uni, and um, and just so that I could go back and do another year in the states as yeah. part of the course. Track four, is first song that you bought from a record shop. So that's back to. Uh, to Shrewsbury. Okay. Oh, you had a record shop? The nearest big town. Yeah, right. one independent record shop called uh, Durant's Records. And I can remember vividly going in to, to buy this particular record. So it was with my own money. Yeah. And, and going down, it was on the way to Gay Meadow. I'm yeah. a big Shrewsbury Town fan. Okay. So I, I remember going in. I can, I can remember the woman that worked there. Uh, jet, big jet black hair big kind of 80s hair and uh, always wore a red kind of shirt and uh, and the place smelt of second-hand records and it, they did sell um, a lot of second-hand records but the, 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 it was the chart stuff that I was yeah. more interested in at the time yeah and and I remember buying this this 45 and then I can picture the bag that the 
that she, I can picture paying for it with, with my own money. This was the big deal, paying for the first yeah. time with my, my pocket money uh, for a record for the first time. And then I took it with me down to Gay Meadow. The, the shop was en route down Wildcop and on the way down to the old Gay Meadow. So I, I clung onto it for the whole of the game. And the, it was, I mean, again, we, you've said people are honest about their answer here rather than trying to be cool. It was foreigner. I want to know what love is. Yeah. Do you, do you know what, Chris? That would probably be my first song that I had an emotional response to. Right. Uh, and I can vividly remember hearing that and being in a car. And for some reason, it made me question the fact that... It sounds really weird. I don't know why I'm even mentioning this. But that song was the first song that I remember hearing and thinking, oh, my parents are going to die one day. And I remember being in a car and hearing that and, and, and kind of questioning like, and, and realising, like, thinking about mortality, I guess. Because it's, it's a sad record, isn't it? Yeah, and I was, yeah, I was like 10. Yeah, you know, I would have been, well, yeah. I, I don't know, were we searching for the answer? You know, I want to know what love is. I, yeah. I, not, not a 10. Yeah. It was a big ballad, wasn't it? It's a huge record. Number one yeah. for a long time, I, I believe. Black uh, sleeve with a big silver that's 3D right. F on it. Yeah. yeah. And now I guess it was probably the... Re- I guess Foreigner hadn't really blown up in the UK, had they? Not I think, to me, no. That was, that was them yeah, to me. I think they'd had their, their success in America prior that, hadn't they, with Cold as Ice. Cold and, as Ice, of course, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, I don't know, but they didn't do Hold the Line. That was Toto, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't it's remember. Kind of, yeah, funny. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, there are comparisons, obviously, between the two. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I um, I used to go there a lot to, to that particular record shop. It holds very fond memories for me. But, of course, I would also buy records at the time in Shrewsbury from Boots. Boots had, of course, their of course little, music section. And Woolworths and John Menzies. Yep. And often be searching the bargain buckets, especially for CD singles. You know, you could pick them up for next to nothing, couldn't you? The Menzies bargain bucket was a thing of wonder, <laughs> mate. Uh, and they also used to have a a thing with the seven-inch singles in that had been like plain black sleeves with the the middles yeah. pushed out with the uh, the ex jukebox ones, and they put the little yeah. fillers in the middle. And yeah. oh, I bought some utter shit from there. Yeah. But, uh, but I think didn't you know sleeves varied a bit, didn't they? I, I sort of only learnt this later because I, I remember comparing. My copies of particular songs with other people, I was like, oh, that's not the sleeve for that. Yeah. So they must have changed it, chopped and changed a bit. And I was always curious as to why some of them only came in paper sleeves. Was it because they were out of jukeboxes? I think so, yeah. Selling them on. Like, that was the thing. You'd, you'd always be in your bargain buckets, them ones in a plain sleeve that, that generally have the, them little kind of black bits clipped in the, yeah. in the middle. Uh, and yeah, that was, that was my understanding that they were all ex jukebox. Yeah, uh, that, would, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I put all of these, you know, as soon as I get them, I'd, I'd make my mixtapes with them as well. And I, you know, like all of us of a certain age and, and generation, you know, making those mixtapes was, they were great moments. You know, they were moments like now everything. You know, I'm, I, I love my phone and I love that my daughter does TikTok. You know, that's brilliant because that's now. But what I really, looking back, loved most about making those mixtapes was the time it would take. It was real time. It's all about a journey, mate. Yeah, you know, it took 60 minutes or 90, or if you were daring, Mm. you'd do a 120. 
And but they'd always snap. They? Yeah, of course they would. The quality weren't as good on a one twenty. But the point being is that you had to listen. You couldn't rip it in. Yeah. You had to listen to the song, and then yeah. the next one. You know. So that I think is what gave the mixtapes that that love. Completely. That's exactly what validated them. It made them. It made them a, a body of work. Yeah. Like and. I think that was in part. You know, I'd started to lo- love radio by then. As a, as a listener, I was intrigued by it. I loved the one-to-one medium. I loved the way I felt like the, the DJ was talking to me. And I think making those tapes was was sort of about what came next and the right flow. You know, I didn't really often make them for other people. The, the tapes were for, for me. And, and I think they, that, that flow was always important to me, you know, a, a smooth transition sure. from one to another. Who was you listening to then? Oh, nothing cool. No, on radio. Oh, uh, nothing cool. Tony Blackburn mm-hmm. at first. Yeah. Still resent him for not doing a birthday shout out for me. Um, I remember my mum sending in a postcard and, you know, as you would, saying it's Chris's birthday. Mm-hmm. And I remember us all gathered around the radio. Not a thing. I have confronted him on the subject. Uh, he, uh, he, he, uh, he claims he did it. <laughs> he tells everyone, oh, you, must have, you, cut, you must have been out of the room yeah, when I did it. Yeah, <laughs> He's a lovely, a, a fabulous human being. And then it was uh, the likes of Gary Davis and um, Bruno Brooks. Then later, I was a huge Nicky Campbell fan on Radio 1. Mm-hmm. Massive. And I also loved my local radio stations. That was BBC Radio Shropshire. Not, you know, aimed at me, but actually uh, in, in the sense that that engagement factor, that one-on-one that I just talked about, that I think is the, the most single most important part of radio is that warmth and that relationship that you have with the person that's listening. Because even if you're listening in a room of 50 people, excuse me, even if you're listening in a room with 50 people, you are still only talking to one person because you are only talking to into their ears. Mm-hmm. So it's always one-on-one, it's about you, it's about your relationship with that person who is listening to you. And I think that means that that stories are really important, getting to know someone and doing that in, in ways that don't feel like you're forcing yourself and your personality on someone. There are clever ways of doing it and there were, there were some great presenters on Radio Shropshire when I was listening and growing there were some great presenters on Radio Shropshire when I was growing up that were, were really experts at that. And so at this point, I imagine you're back from the States and was radio becoming something that you wanted to get involved with then? Yeah, very much so. So did work experience at Radio Shropshire and then, and then knew that Radio Nottingham, BBC Radio Nottingham, had a really great reputation Matthew Bannister and Trevor Dan had recently left there to go to Radio 1 and run Radio 1. So I wanted to get to Radio Nottingham. So that's partly why I went to university in, Not- in Nottingham, uh, as well as because of the American Studies mm-hmm. degree that would allow me to go back to the States. So I carried on. I, I, in fact, I carried my Radio 1 from Radio Shropshire when I got back from the States. Spent the, the whole summer there and making tea, answering phones and stuff like that, and then did get on air doing the, the market prices, which at the end of each day was how much she put selling for her auction. <laughs> Our first on-air experience. Brilliant. And and then went to, to, started at Radio Nottingham before I started at university, did did some shifts there as, a, as an assistant. And, and by the time I, I left university, in my third year, I was doing the drive time show. 
And I guess at that point, that's probably going to tie into the next track. So this uh, for track five, I asked the song soundtrack you're using, Clubland. Was this in? Was this Rock City? Was this the indie clubs of Nottingham? Yeah, uh, a, a mixture of the the pop and the indie clubs. So. Black Orchid people will remember from the, the mid-90s, mid to late-90s in Nottingham, and Ritzy's, MGM's, and then the much cooler clubs that were in the, the lace market in, in Nottingham. It's a great place, you know, a mix of those trashy dance clubs and then the uber-cool people like Graham Park, you know, was, was DJing it in Nottingham, and, 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 and great people were guesting there all the time. And big bands coming to Rock City. I saw David Bowie at Rock City. That do yeah yeah wow how about that so would you, you you sort of mentioned the different clubs there so would you gravitate between I guess as a student would you go to the the kind of commercial yeah you know chart clubs because of the cheap drinks and the yeah pound a pint yeah yeah we yeah yeah mainly that I got to be honest that that's where I did spend most of my time in those yeah. those, those sort of I don't know what you call them, like student clubs, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, it was the, the mid-90s. It was a fantastic time mm. to be going out. I'm not sure if this answers the question, the, the song that soundtracked your years coming, because you know what? I'm not sure when are your clubbing years? When do they start? When do they finish? I, I, I would look at it as those early experiences of just like, of, of just something that's just really joyous before... Maybe, I don't know, before maybe you start to kind of... Uh, uh, m mine would be around the ages of 18 and 19. Yeah, I think mine stretch probably, I think, longer than that. So from when I was a student in Nottingham, that was, that was more like fun, going out to, to clubs to yeah. meet girls. And, and it was the time of that Oasis blur mm -hmm. battle and... And pulp being huge. I remember coming home with my copy of Different Class, and I was living in a little student flat with my friend John in in a bit of a dodgy part of Nottingham. And uh, I, I, the, I remember the landlady when the heating broke. She said she, her best suggestion was to open the curtains more and put the oven on. Li um, was to open the curtains. Um, sorry. Was to um, open the was to open the curtains more and uh, switch the oven on and leave the door open. You know? I mean, practical. 30 quid a week, you know, for the two of us. <laughs> what do you want, mate? Exactly. <laughs> leave your coat on. <laughs> and then I moved to London and, and I lived um, around, in and around the, like, Bayswater and getting into Labrook Grove. And, um, and I was working at GLR, the, the station that I, I really always had set my sights on. People like Chris Evans, Danny Baker, Chris Morris were all there. That was pretty extraordinary. Wow. <laughs> Walking in those doors. Seeing them in the studio next door. Fuck. Yeah. And, and I was going out a lot, a lot, a lot around, around Labrador Grove, not, Notting, Notting Hill. Yeah. So it would be places like Neighbourhood mm -hmm. and Notting Hill Arts Club. And Cherry Jam yeah. was opposite a place where I lived. So I lived above a chip shop on Porchester Road right above a chip shop and right next to a on the first floor right next to a bus stop and the bus stop was right outside the window and and the top deck of the bus was right level with my window so you know of a morning yeah you have to think 
get dressed yeah. before opening the curtains. Yeah. And Cherry Jam was right across the road. I think, did Ben Watt own that club? I think he was definitely involved in it. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time there. There was also a club that then, we went, if we went into town, there was a place around the back of Selfridges somewhere. I don't know where that was. We used to end up in some proper situations. What, in Central? Yeah. Not the gas club? No. It was weird. I remember once seeing Mick Hucknall there and thinking, wow, <laughs> this little boy from Shropshire, what, what's going on? <laughs> wow. Mick Hucknall off Simply Red. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> and, uh, and there were a couple of other places that we used to go to in yeah. town and had some like proper amazing times. So the, the song that I've chosen that soundtrack those, those years in London is not one that, that I remember hearing in clubs a lot at the time, but it's the, the song that I used to put on without fail every Friday, every Saturday night before going out. And it was Lessons Learned from Rocky 1 to Rocky 3 by Corner Shop. Now, that is not an obvious going out song. It's a fucking great song. But you know that album? I, that, particularly the first half of that album. Yeah. It, you know, I used to listen to those about four or five songs at the start of that yeah. album over and over again before yeah. going out and that was me ready to go that's a do you know what when you sent that over i hadn't listened to that since it was at hand cream for a generation was the album wasn't it unbelievable yeah yeah i'm a big fan of theirs a highly underrated band mm. very clever writers very musicians yeah. yeah what did what did you want from clubbing good times Good answer. Feel good factor. Cool. And they were. I, 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 some of, I can't believe some of what went on. Yeah. Some of the people that I used to hang around with. Met my wife at, at Café de Paris. You know, it's not for anyone that hasn't been it ate all that. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it certainly wasn't then. Yeah. They, they used to have a night on a, a Thursday. And it was a kind of quite cheesy night where random people would get up and sing and I remember Jamie Cullum's manager he, he rang me up and said look come to this night I've got this guy Jamie he's a really brilliant jazz kind of piano player he's, he's really talented and he's going to play on this Thursday come down and you be my guest and, and little did I know he, he made the same call to my wife who, who's a huge jazz fan and so he we knew him independently of each other and I arrived and uh, I saw this all this girl and I was like Mark Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ricardo introduced me to her. And uh, we did, and then, then we got married. Wonderful. Okay. Favourite song from an artist from your home county? Short answer here, Slim Pickings. <laughs> <laughs> Only 40 people in the village. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and in the, in the, uh, the most famous musician by far is, uh, from, from Shropshire is Ian Hunter from Mont the Hoople. Charles Darwin, by the way, Shropshire. Yeah. But in terms of musicians. Yeah. Even though Carol Decker is oft associated with Salop, yeah. actually she um, she she wasn't she was born in Liverpool. She wasn't she was went to school and to college in in Shrewsbury. Carol Decker from Tapau. Yes. Um, so Ian Hunter, uh, Mott the Hoople, all the young dudes. What a song! That's one of my favourite songs of all time. Not because he's from Shropshire, because it's one of the greats, isn't it? You know Bowie song. Do you know what? It, it, that was one of the first seven-inch records that I owned. I didn't buy it, but it was always at home with the middle pushed out. Uh, and it's just one of them records. I didn't know it, there was any Bowie connection, even though I did have Laughing Known by Bowie. That was all <laughs> I knew of Bowie when I was a kid. Um, but all the young dudes. And there's, I'll tell you what, there's... Um, can you remember when he come out and performed it at the Freddie Mercury benefit gig? Like when uh, Freddie Mercury passed and they, they put on the, the, the AIDS benefit mm. show, um, he come out with Bowie, uh, and Bowie's playing sax on it, and, and he just come out and he just ripped the arse out of his track. I'm ashamed to say I don't, I don't know that, but... It's uh, wonderful. You know, it's one of those... It will always be a great song, Yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so... Before we get to your last track, so from GLR, how did you, how did you find yourself on Six? So for years, I'd sent demo tapes out to to different stations. You know, I was I was on GLR at the time in its latter years. So does it still work like that? Even at a station, you're still sending demos to other stations. Yeah, because GLR, you know, though it was the the BBC radio station for London, and, mm. and it had that kind of kudos. It was still the local radio station for London, if you like, yeah. and I really desperately wanted to, 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 do, do, to do national radio. And so it was often sending out demo tapes, but weirdly, I just got this call out of the blue from the controller of, uh, of Radio 2 saying, would you like to come in for a chat? We've heard you. And so for all the years of sending tapes out to people, desperately trying to get them to, to employ me, this call came from the other side to me. And uh, and and that that was the control of Radio Two asking if I'd like to do some shows on Radio Two, just before Six Music started. So I I did, and I, I used to, to cover almost it was like full time cover for nighttime, late night shows, some early morning shows, some of them done from Pebble Mill in Birmingham, and that's where my my long standing friendship with Janice Dong uh, came from because she she was on she did show like maybe 
maybe it was like a late night show anyway I'm not sure what time it was and I'd often either fill in for her or follow on from her and uh, and and kind of learnt learnt the trade um, there really I would say and and then Six Music was starting and uh, I was I was like the test presenter for Six Music so about a year before Six Music started whilst also doing Radio 2 cover I was doing test programs for for Six Music which was like a dream you know it combined yeah. radio and and the best music and yeah. the ability to play the music that you wanted that's unheard you know more and more so now yeah. unheard of this this ability we have at six music to play what we want you know that's a real privilege and and, and every day i think of it as that massive uh, pleasure you know yeah and and and, and you should because it's it's a it's a fucking great service for people that like good music yeah, I think all of us know the, how lucky we are, um, I think, to be on the station and, and the passion, you know, you hear it in every single link, even, you know, through the music as it's playing, that it's being yeah. played with uh, love, you know, and I think all of the way that the world has, has, has changed, particularly in recent times, I think that the that, that, that playlists are great, you know, and, and streaming services are doing great things. But one thing that they can't do, that algorithms can't provide, is love. Algorithms are more sophisticated than ever, but they don't come with love. Whereas radio, I think, certainly at Six Music, still does. 100% agree. 100% agree. Okay, well, you get to play DJ now, mate. Um, for your last track, you get to play a song that you think many may not know that you would like them to hear really hard I think anyone would find this question hard to answer so I've gone with Dodgy and Grassman you know that song? of course I know that song yeah uh, listeners go back and listen to me chatting to Andy from Dodgy on a on an <laughs> episode on here a long long time ago so yeah good guys as well a lot of lovely fun. and much more talented than they were ever given credit for because they were kind of clowns when yeah. they of the Britpop scene they had stupid hair and they they dressed really badly but they were really talented. They wrote really like the, the singles that, that had commercial success were very jaunty. Yeah. But there's some fucking serious music on, on especially on this album. Yeah, on the homegrown. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, Grassman itself, so it's the last track mm. on, on that album. And it's the harmonies are them at their very best and it's well, it's harmony-drenched pop, I suppose, mm. if, you, if you were going to describe it to someone that had never heard, the, yeah. heard Grassman. And for me, it's, it's like a big psychedelic wig-out, isn't it? Yeah. And, and what it does, every time I get to that track listening to that album, it just makes me want to hear the whole album again. Yeah. It's got a, that, I think, is what, what, if you're a musician writing an album, yeah. that is what you would want, isn't it? It's a glorious record, mate. Yeah, beautiful piano at the start. It builds. The, there's a great mood about it, and it, it ought to be far more well known than, yeah, than it is. Absolutely. And they're still going, you know, dodgy, and they still yeah. get good audiences. Yeah. So I'm really pleased for them because they, they deserve that. Because they've got good songs. Yeah, that's right. You know, Simple. Andy is a great singer. Massively. Great songwriter. Great singer. Mm. So you're in London at the moment. I mean, this would have happened by the time that this comes out, but it's Six Music Festival? Yes. 
in the middle of the coronavirus thing. Yes. All going on. Will that be a thing, do you reckon, by the time this comes out? I wonder. Well, I, I yeah, I, the, the, at this point today, on this Friday afternoon that we're sat here now, they're saying they're trying to delay it, aren't they? I'm not entirely sure what, how that works yeah. and what that means, but there's some sort of containment plan. Right. Um, the festival is going ahead, nonetheless. Good. Or it is, you know, whatever it is now, half past yeah. three on Friday afternoon. And, yeah, I'm dead excited. Yeah. Uh, not least because I get to introduce Ed O'Brien on stage at the Roundhouse. Yeah, life done, career done. Might as well go home. But, yes, Ed O'Brien, because I'm a huge Radiohead fan. Debut British show as well, right? First ever European live solo show. Yeah, that'll do, <laughs> I'm going to mess that up so badly, aren't I, on stage? Well, I'm going to be in the crowd, so I'll be waiting. Oh, now I'm going to be thinking of you. I'm going to go. <laughs> you I'm gonna, suck! Hang on, it's, I've just got to get this right, because he has done actually a show with a band. So he, he did that in Birmingham, so it's his first ever London Europe. Uh, no. <laughs> I think all you need to do when you're introducing Ed O'Brien is say it's Ed O'Brien. Everyone knows. You know that? Everyone knows. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's going to be a highlight of the weekend. The whole festival is always brilliant. I, I love... Um, the, the, the feel of the festival, the, the acts, I think, are, are amazing, speak for themselves. And uh, it's great to meet um, listeners because it's like one big family, Six Music, yeah. whether you're on, on the air or, or a listener. It genuinely, and it's always always felt like that. And I think that's something that's always been very important about that, that community that is yeah. Six Music. And that comes across as a listener. It really does. I hope so. Right. It, it really does. It's genuine, you know. Yeah. Um, Okay, so if people want to listen to you on six that haven't listened before, where can they find out? So it's five till seven thirty every weekday morning. So it's on six music on DAB on digital radio. Most radios now. Yeah. You know, you don't have to say the digital bit, I don't think so much. And on obviously on BBC Sounds, if you don't get up at that time, you can catch up and listen. But it is it's a show aimed at people getting up. You know, it's me talking, you know, as I've just got out of bed to to an audience who are also just starting their day generally, some coming to the end of night shifts, but generally getting up, getting going and, and trying to play music that, that, that's appropriate, you know, yeah. for that time of the morning, a mix of something chilled and, and then maybe bigger tunes the, the closer it gets to half seven. Getting you going, getting you going. Chris, I knew this would be a joy and I've absolutely loved it. Thank you very much. I have too, Stu, yeah. Thanks for having me. I really, I feel like, wow, I'm in such great company. <laughs> I really do. In, in, in yourself and who you've had on in the past, I feel thanks, very humble. Mate. So thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks loads, mate. There you go. Chris Hawkins, absolute gentleman. Uh, it was a lovely chat and it was really nice to catch up with Chris. Um, he's uh, definitely one of the good guys. Um, thank you a lot for, for listening. Thanks to the BBC for sorting that out for me. Um, and yeah, I will see you next time. In the meantime, as I mentioned at the beginning, please go and, um, give this episode. If you see it on the socials, a like, love, share, retweet. Um, and if you haven't subscribed to off the beaten track, then what you're waiting for, go and do it. I'm going to shut up now. Cause I want you going to do it now, right now. I'll see you next time. Quick, go and subscribe. Bye bye. See you later. Oh yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a lot of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's 
interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes, so if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.